And with those lovely notes from Giuseppe Ver... Wait a minute, that wasn't Giuseppe Verde. And as you can tell, I'm not Frank Carvello. I'm your host today, Richard Carmen. Frank is off this week. No truth to the rumor that Frank is not here because the Steelers lost yesterday. Uh, we won't get into much into that, so this is, a, this is a soccer podcast here. On today's show, we welcome the new world order of calcio, and by that we're talking about Massimo Odo's Udinese. Not only that, but the top of the table has completely changed since last week. Uh, we will also uh, talk a showcase for Syria and a battle between Atalanta and Lazio uh, that you do not want to miss. Uh, plus, get into the rest of Match Week 17. But, as I said, today Frank is not here, and in his place we have Michael Lisi. Michael Lisi, Michael Lisi excuse me, is the husband, father of four, football blogger for Fossa de Leone, and a licensed USSF referee. Um, well, benvenuto, Michael. Oh, thank you, sir. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the invite, Richard. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Uh, we, uh, we you're always exchanging uh, with us on Twitter, so it's about time we get you on here. Thank you very much. Um, so tell 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 our fans um, about your your uh, website. Your your co-founder of Fossa de Leone. Uh, go into a little bit of that. How how it began and 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 yeah, just tell us all about it. Uh, it, well, it all started when, uh, a friend of ours, Gene Franco used to be on the Milan offside and a group of us that were commenters, uh, decided to kind of split off on our own. And the three of us, uh, myself, uh, Matt and Avia all, uh, started our own, uh, our, our own Milan blog. And for a little while, Gene Franco was there to kind of help us get things going. And as his uh, life kind of changed and evolved, it's been the, uh, three of us that kind of uh, have just run with it from there and uh, have a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah you, uh, Fosse Delonia puts on a lot of good content out there. Uh, Michael's constantly has these blogs coming out. They're great reads. Um, lots of people follow it. So uh, if you haven't done it yet, you should do it. We'll share the link at the end of this podcast. Um, before we get into the matches, uh, Match Week 17, let's take a quick look at the ma- uh, the midweek Coppa Italia games. Um, just the scores here. Uh, here's, here's a score you may like, Michael. Uh, Inter zero, <laughs> Pordenone zero, but Inter win five form penalty kicks. Uh, Twitter was a buzz with the possibility of of a groundbreaking uh, upset here. What do you think of that match? Oh, I, I, you know what? I was following it on Twitter, and as the match got later and later and later, I had to find a way to at least catch the end of it, and I was probably shocked and amazed as much as anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Inter clearly, you know, was hoping to keep some people to the side and not have to play like the full squad. But as the match went on, you could tell they got uh, a little nervous and put everybody on at the end, and still had to go to extra time and eventually penalties. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, Portenone definitely gave it their all. Uh, it was obviously this is like their cup game. Um, it's not often they're going to play a big Serie A team uh, in a tournament like this, and. Hey, they gave it all, and, and, and the whole world is uh, applauding them for their efforts and, the, and their near victory. Um, to continue on, the Coppa Italia, so Inter move on in the Coppa Italia with that win. Uh, their opponent would be the winner of the Milan versus Hellas Verona game. Uh, Milan in this game actually looked very decent, actually. Uh, they won 3 nothing at home in San Siro. We had goals from Suzo, Romagnoli, and Patrick Cutrone. Um, this looked like a, a brand-new Milan. Gave you a lot of hope, didn't it, Michael? Oh, absolutely. After the first couple uh, games under Gattuso, things seemed uh, sketchy at best. But then all of a sudden, it looked like, hey, you know, they'd figured something out. 
you know, he played uh, Catroni and Silva up top together, which was interesting and yeah. worked out really well. Absolutely. And, and it seemed like, oh, we finally got a formula for the way the team works because they actually looked competent all throughout. Um, they looked like they looked dangerous. They looked like they could finish, which they did. And, uh, yeah, so things are looking good for the rest of the week, so we thought. Um, let's move on. Uh, a big game in Copa Italia was Fiorentina against Sampdoria. This game would end 3-2 victory for Fiorentina, actually. Uh, the surprising thing this game, there were three penalty kicks in this one. Uh, two goals scored by Jordan Veratu and then one by Gaston Ramirez for Sampdoria. Um, Sampdoria have been... Uh, They've been on the downward slope in the last few weeks. Um, they started out very hot in Serie A, and, but now they, they've been struggling as of late. And even though they scored two goals in this game, uh, they lost yet again. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was interesting because it was two teams that, that really seemed to go for it in the Coppa Italia. And you don't always see that. So yeah, they made it, for a good match, no doubt about it. Absolutely, and it's it's good to see that these uh, these teams are going for the Coppa Italia. They're not they're not in the past. These Italian teams have looked at Coppa Italia as just a a second standard uh, tournament. They had no interest in, but it seems like this this year we got some teams that are really going for it, uh, and this is great to see because uh, that's what makes other leagues so good is when they have those uh those cup games that everyone loves. Um, and hopefully we get uh, the rest of the Italian teams on board this season. Um, the last game I want to talk about is Lazio 4, Cittadella 1. Um, I'm just gonna, the goals by Lazio, we had a brace by Chiri Immobile, of course. Uh, the mm-hmm. goal that was important, though, was Felipe Anderson getting back on the score sheet for, for Lazio. How important is that for Lazio to get him on the score sheet? Oh, I think it's huge because, I mean, that's a guy that, you know, in the past has been up and down and up and down. And, you know, the way that team can score goals and the way they can move the ball around and play offense to have – him back in form makes a big difference. No question about it. Uh, I agree 100%. Uh, he's definitely a vital player, even though he's lost his position to Luis, uh, Luis Alberto. Um, he's still, mm-hmm. you know, as they progress in these tournaments, especially Europa League, they're, they're going to need all the bodies they can who can score. Um, uh, a fourth goal in that game would be an own goal by Agostino Camelliano. Um, so Lazio move on. As I said, Inter will play Milan in the next round of Coppa Italia. So that should be uh, very enticing here uh, after Christmas, I believe. Um, so with that, that wraps up Coppa Italia. Let's move on to match week 17. All right. All right. So we're going to start off with a game that shocked Italian Syria here. Um, <laughs> Let's just say Massimo Odo, he was given uh, days to prepare for Napoli, and his team thusly lost. Um, what do you expect? Even if they had a month to prepare for Napoli, it, it was probably not going to go well for them. Uh, no. since, since then, though, Udinese, they trounced Perugia 8-3. to I mean, that was a, a butt-kicking. Um, Absolutely. And then, and then they reeled off back-to-back wins. Yes, they were over Crotone and Benevento, but Udinese hadn't been play- performing this season. So those were key wins for them to get on the right momentum. Um yeah, but what we what we saw in this game is not nothing what we would expect. Um, the first goal of the game, actually, Sylvan Vidmer gets around Davide Santon, completely embarrasses Borja Valero, and then with a great pass to the far post to... Santon, che poi azzarda un dribbling che consente a Vidmer di tornare sul pallone. Ancora Vidmer, cerca lo scarico! E lasagna in posizione regolare! Colpisce ancora l'Inter, è il quattordicesimo! Porta avanti l'Udinese! Kevin Lasagna. Lasagna. Oh. Absolutely. 
Uh, I was hungry for that. Kevin Lasagna with a beautiful goal. Uh, well set up by Vidmer. I, I think that's the, the, the thing I want to focus on this play is how, how poor he made Santon and then especially Borja Valero look in the, on that play. You know, and the thing is with Vidmer, he's been a guy that's been, it seems like, talked about for a couple of years now of possibly making a move somewhere else. He's always played well, especially in games I've watched him play against Milan the last couple of years. It just always seemed like eventually that was a guy that was going to be on the move somewhere, but he's still there and he's still playing very well, obviously. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's uh, maybe with uh, under Massimo Odo, he'll finally get the foot on the foot in the right direction and, and start to get closer to the potential that everyone thought he was going to have for for the longest time now. Sure. Um, you know, Mario Icardi uh, didn't like that goal going in, and he quickly responded with a goal for himself just a minute later from a lovely cross by Antonio Candreva to get Inter level 1-1. Um, the rest of that first half did seem like it was a one-way show, Inter getting chance after chance. But Albano Bizzari, uh, he, he stayed on his toes, and he made save after save, keeping his team at level going into halftime 1-1. Um what did you make of that? What did you make of that first opening first half? I mean, it was one one, but it was. Uh, it seemed like after that first goal uh, by Udinese, that Inter pretty much took control of that first half. Did you do you agree with me, or what did you see? Oh, oh, I agree, and I and I, I'm impressed. You know, if, if you're a Ude fan, you're impressed that you could take a shot on the chin like that. Like you said, Icardi scored what a minute later. Yeah, and you know they 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 were able to hold the fort for the whole rest of the first half. And I think if you're, like I said, if you're a fan of them or, you know, you, you just got to be impressed that, you know, a side like that, that's, you know, hoping to move up was able to withstand that for the whole half. And I think that really set the stage for them. What happened in the second half. Yeah. And them being on the road too. Um, that's absolutely, that, that shows, it you know, shows that they had uh, the fight that they've been, you know, kind of lacking for the most of the part of the season. Um, so maybe that's something that Massimo Odo has brought to the team. Um, though the second half would uh, start quickly for Udinese, and they showed their intent as early as uh, Rodrigo De Paul set up Lasagna, who nearly scored early on in the fir- in the second half. Um, then in the 61st minute, it looked like David De Santon had a handball in the box. Um, I, was, I wasn't sure when I saw the play, but the ref did go to VAR. VAR confirmed his decision, and, and Udinese awarded a penalty kick. Upstepped uh, the man who would give him the lead. Fate Paul, alza la traiettoria, batte Andanovic, e al sessantesimo l'Udinese è di nuovo avanti. Rodrigo Di Paul gives Udinese the lead, uh, two to one. Um, did you? Did, oh, before, obviously, before you said replay, did you think it was a penalty at that point? No, no. You know, I'll tell you, I'm not exactly the biggest fan of VAR. I'm not gonna lie, but it is in cases like that where where you're happy to see it, you know, yeah. you're happy to see it use and happy to see it, you know, be correct. Yeah. And in lifetime, it didn't look like it was, uh, it came off his hand, but then when you look at the replay, you're like, Oh yeah, it's obviously off his hand. Yep. And, um, it was a good call. I think by VAR, I'm glad they went to it in that case, but I'm like, you, uh, you know, if VAR is using this in the end for, for goals and plays like that in the box, I'm fine with it, but it's been used for far too many different things. And it's not consistent with how people are using it. So, uh, they, need to, mm-hmm. they need to definitely correct that if they want to go on from here. All the leagues, really. So, um, Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I you know, as far as, like, you know, the ball being over the line, absolutely. As far as, like, handballs in the box, absolutely. It's I just I find it frustrating sometimes when it's a call kind of in the middle of the field where it yeah. doesn't really affect flow of the game one way or the other. 
next thing you know, we're stopping and we're going over to the sideline. And, you know, those are the kinks they're going to have to work out, you know, slowly over time. It's going to be interesting to see what VAR looks like in a couple years. You know, it's, is it like, like us Americans watching an NFL game where it seems like every five minutes they're <laughs> looking at looking at something, or do we see it just two or three times a game? Right. If even that, where it's something important. I mean, you might have whole games where you just don't see it at all because there's really nothing that calls for it. Oh, and you I, know? And, I, I agree, hundred percent. It's a, they they need to work out the kinks to it. Is if people oh, yeah. who, people who thought it was going to be you know work beautifully from the beginning, no, it's not the case. I mean, look at goal line technology. Even then, and well, look at the referees on the goal line. We're, they still can't figure that out, and you know, no. they've been doing it for years. So, I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Everything. Sometimes takes time. you you wonder what that guy's doing sitting back there. He's probably texting <laughs> texting his wife or girlfriend. I don't know. Yeah, not paying attention. There you maybe, go. maybe watching the crowd. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, moving on later on in the, in the second half, um, one of Inter's best signings, uh, Skriniar nearly tied mm-hmm. the game with a header off the post. Uh, Kondreva again be playing playmaker. He assisted on the goal to Icardi. Nearly got an mm-hmm. assist in this in this uh, this play here. Um, Skriniar, he's he seems to be everywhere. He's he is, we've been saying this on the pod several times. He is an all around defender. He can defend. He can move up the field and pass it, and he can also score. Um, are you impressed by this guy? No, being being a Milanista that, uh, as you are, uh, it's, it's hard to sometimes say that about the, your yeah. uh, our rivals. But what do you what do you think about Skriniar? Oh, I think I think the thing that they have missed for for several years now has been that you know big presence in the back, you know that can kind of slow things down, control the game a little bit, you know, and 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 just be an overall presence. I mean, their center backs for years have just been you know, kind of this merry-go-round of different guys and nobody really ever stuck. So, I mean, for them, I mean, you've got to be absolutely thrilled to death that you have, you know, absolutely nailed that signing. I mean, Lord, I mean, how many years in a row have we, have, have we heard and seen, you know, uh, Renokia running around back there? Uh, I mean, he has just been, you know, a a punchline more than anything else. So for them to have a guy like that, you know, come in and, you know, pretty much establish himself from day one. You know, it's not like it took eight or 10 games for him to, yeah. you know, make his presence felt. I mean, it was like, you Instant know, impact. Instant impact. yeah, for, first game of the year, boom, stick him in there. And, you know, he's, you know, an automatic starter from day one. And that's absolutely what you want when you sign a center back. And the, hopes, and the hopes with him is that his play is going to elevate Miranda and everybody else on that defense, at least for Inter's perspective. Oh. Um, oh, absolutely. Stabilizes yeah, I mean, the whole yeah. the whole back line. I mean, you've got a great keeper back there. You know, if you can put a, you know, a solid center back like that in front of Handanovic, I mean, you know, you make things a lot tougher on the opposition. And like you said, he makes everybody else better across the back. Yeah. No question. So that makes Inter, Inter that much more dangerous. Um, Inter, though, continued to press. Minutes later, Roberto Gagliardini's shot was saved off the line, point blank, by Bizzari. Bizzari was having himself a heck of a game. Uh, not mm-hmm. only keeping his team in, but keeping his team in the lead at this point. Um, but then uh, the youngsters would hook up with Udinese as Jakob Yankto with a sublime cross. Yankto, bellissimo il cross! E Barak fa 3-1, confermando il suo magic moment al 77esimo. Antonin Barak finishes in style and puts Inter out of their misery. Udinese 3, Inter 1. What? I, I, I love the scoreline, but what? I did not see that coming. No, not at all. Especially since, I mean, ashamedly, as a Milan fan, I've 
I've kind of picked Inter as the team to slowly make their way through the league because obviously, you know, they don't have to play in Europe and they can kind of roll out the same 11 guys all the time and not worrying about resting so much to kind of lay an egg like that at home, especially was just, it was shocking. Absolutely shocking. And Massimo Odo gets his signature win just, what, four games into a Syria uh, debut with um, Udinese. Uh, it's uh, quite impressive. Uh, you know, we've been touting him. Even when he was at Pescara, Frank and I was saying that he's, there's a good manager in there because he likes to attack. Uh, he's got tactics in him. It just he didn't have the best players in Pescara. Now with Udinese, he's got a little bit more talent, and they're all youngsters there. So he can mold them, and, and they have some some attacking talent. On their first, I think I just said I repeated myself. Yeah, I guess I'm drinking beer. All right, I gotta hold on. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, he's got the talent there, obviously now, and he can kind of implement what he wanted to do. And it's showing these last you know, three, three, four games. Uh, this is three wins in a row for uh, Udinese, and they're moving up the charts. They're up to 11th place. And look at now, but um, Fiorentina, Milan, and Bologna, beware! Uh, this team is charging up the up the charts. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the whole the whole league from what about seventh down to about 16th is all within what, maybe six, seven, eight points of each other. So anybody wins two or three in a row like they, like they have, and you know, you just, you rock it right up the table. Absolutely. In no time. Speaking of rocking it up the table, that loss would leave a wide open window for Napoli to take it for another chance to try to, to try to get back into first place. Last week they had opportunity. They drew Fiorentina. Uh, but this week uh, they were faced Torino uh, at Torino uh, Napoli were on a three-game winless streak. They had tough games against Juventus, Feyenoord, and uh, Fiorentina, like we just said. Only scored mm-hmm. one goal in that span. Uh, that was against Fiorent- uh, Feyenoord, pardon me. Um, on the flip side, though, Torino were on a six-game unbeaten streak. Um, and against good opponents, really. Uh, some big-name big team that they played against were Atalanta, Milan, Inter. Um, it also included a 3-1 win versus Lazio. Um, it seemed... Torino have have been helter skelter, especially in the back in the back line, giving up a lot of goals. But as of late, in the last six games, they've done fairly well, uh, especially with that three one win against Lazio on Monday. Um, that was that a shocking scoreline to you? Because I know it was for us, because we thought Lazio would win three one. And when you see Torino put up three and Lazio not not getting much on the score sheet, you it leaves you it leaves you uh, questioning things. Because just like this uh, Udinese Inter match, it was nothing you expected. Oh, exactly. Exactly. You almost expect that every time Lazio takes the field, they're going to score two to three goals. And you know, and we were the and, same way with really Napoli take, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's why that's that was surprising. And as you said, Napoli coming out and and putting three on them. I mean, it seemed like Napoli had had gotten in the stretch, like you said, one goal in three games. It looked like, uh oh, the rotation. I mean, I wrote a column about it last week. It looked like the rotation finally caught up to him. You know, Sarri's uh, hesitance, you know, to play different guys, even though, I mean, you got like a a guy like Diwara sitting over there on the bench who clearly you can roll out, you know, in quite a few games against lower table teams. He was hell bent on playing the same guys over and over. It looked like it was finally going to bite him in the butt. But then they go out against Torino and just what they put up three in the first, what, 30 or 40 minutes, something like that. Yep. I mean, they just put they put a fork in him fast and. You know, when when you see a, a team do something like that, it looks like they're about ready to get on a roll again. Yeah, and that's uh, Napoli fans are probably breathing a sigh of relief. Um, oh yeah. In this game, Napoli started the party off quickly off a Callejon corner kick. Um, Alan deflected it right to 
Cross sul primo palo, prolungato! E arriva subito il gol di Koulibaly per portare avanti il Napoli! Kaladu Koulibaly, just four minutes in, Napoli up 1-0. They had to uh, breathe a sigh of relief to, like I said, to all Napoli nation. Um, it, they've been struggling for goals, and when they get a goal early like that, that can only uh, help relax the teammates and uh, get them uh, back to focusing on what they were doing before. Good, and and you know, just minutes later, in fact, 20 minutes later, uh, Jorginho found a streak in Peter Zielinski. Posizione regolare, attenzione per Zielinski in area. Zielinski, Piotr Zielinski fa 0-2 per il Napoli. And just like that, Napoli up 2-0 and have refound their scoring swagger. Like I said, sometimes one goal breaks the levy and then, and then the rest of the goals just pour in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Zelensky is another guy that, you know, sorry, has played a little bit more, I guess, than some of the other guys. He hasn't rotated as much. And, you know, if he starts getting hot, then you can rest some guys here and there. And they, uh, you know, they're getting some scoring punch from some different places. Yeah, I mean... There's few teams that you can say once they score a goal, they're going to start scoring in bunches. Uh, Napoli are definitely one of those teams. You can say Lazio are probably one of those teams, but uh, for, oh, certain, for certain, for certain uh, Napoli, and it looked like Dries Mertens um, was a catalyst for that because he, you could, you, you saw, you saw him throughout the first half, um, all over the place. You had, and you really hadn't seen him much in the last three games. So um, mm-hmm. Napoli's starting to get that swagger back, and finally, 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 we can call this goal. <laughs> Per il 3-0, firmato Mare Kamsik, è una lezione quella che il Napoli sta impartendo al Torino, tre reti in meno di mezz'ora. Marek Hamsik, uh, Dries Mertens finds a wide open uh, Marek Hamsik who finally equals, equals, I should say, Diego Armando Maradona for most goal in Napoli's history. It was 3-0, just like that, still in the first half. Um... I think that's kind of what Napoli's been uh, reason part of the they haven't scored much is they've been hoping uh, this guy was finally scored a goal to tie to tie the record books uh, for Napoli and he finally finally gets in as a as a beauty of a goal as well. Oh yeah, and he you know just watching them recently, it seems like he's been playing with an eight hundred pound gorilla on his back. You know, maybe you know squeezing a little tight sometimes, taking a taking a shot when maybe he could have passed, yep. just trying to get that. You know, not that he was trying to be greedy or anything like that, but I'm sure he's been. I can't remember how long it's been since he scored. It's been a while, it has but been it's a while. yeah, it seemed like he it was just just one to get that done with and over with, so they could kind of move on with things and just become more of a story as the season went on. But good for him. I mean, that's a guy that. You know, it's rumored to be moved all over the place and has, has, you know, stuck his ground, stayed at Napoli, you know, got rid of uh, got rid of his agent at one point because he just said, hey, this is where I am. This is where I'm going to be. Yep. So good. Good for him. It's good to see those uh, one club guys, you know, do stuff like that. He has definitely become an icon for Napoli. Um, and yeah, I, like like you said, it was a big big 800 pound gorilla on his back for this goal. Uh, there there are times where I thought he could have had taken like the penalty kicks, but he didn't because I understand yes. they, have, they have spot kick, kick takers. But I mean, still, you, you want him to get the dang on record, you know. But finally, he gets it. And I think this is going to open the floodgates for him as well. And I think we're going to see that record breaker uh, fairly soon. I just oh, think sure. He, I just think he was thinking about it way too much, and like you said, like almost like in hockey, you choke up on the stick too much, and you start squeezing too tight, you know. So. Oh yeah. Um, yep. 
it's good to see not only for Napoli fans but for Serie A fans and football fans in general that this guy finally gets to uh, ties the record with with a great legend in, in Maradona and hopefully he breaks it very soon here because I don't want to be talking about this goal for another for another yeah. month. <laughs> I know yeah, he doesn't either. Yeah, yeah. Let, let let's get that out of the way before we play Milan again. That'd be that'd be fine with me. <laughs> I agree. I agree to that. <laughs> So have him. He can he can go score a hat trick against somebody or something like that and celebrate it and be done with it. That's right. That'd be good. And then, and then not score again <laughs> against us at least. Yeah, exactly. He could take that game off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe he'll do the rotation. That then uh, sorry, he'll have a rotation of that game. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'd it. be great. <laughs> <laughs> so the the first half would end three nothing. Uh, that'd really be all the goals for uh, for Napoli in this game. But we did have one more goal in the game, and it's been a while since we mentioned this guy's name. La palla arriva a Belotti! E dopo oltre due mesi si sblocca finalmente il Gallo! Quarta rete in questo campionato! E allora con la grinta di Andrea Belotti! Il Gallo, Andrea Belotti, gets on a score sheet. Uh, it seems like it's been forever since he scored a goal with the injuries and, uh, and whatnot. Uh, but it's good to see him back on the score sheet, maybe... Maybe just maybe he'll get back into the, in the scoring race. What do you think about his prospects of doing that? Uh, yeah, you know, last year it was like we almost got spoiled. It was like yeah. every week. It's like, oh, yeah, he scored again. Okay. You know, you got used to it almost every week. You look in the box score, he'd score one or two. It just seemed like every week was on the board. And then this year, like you said, missed some games due to injury, you know, and he's kind of up with the way they play. He's, he's kind of up there by himself. You know, I mean, there are times that he's taken on three, four guys by himself. So, you know, maybe he'll get back into form and start uh, putting him in again. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes these goal scorers, all they need is an ugly one or just a goal in general, and then they finally get that scoring touch back and they, they start scoring him in bunches. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometimes you just need one to go in off uh, accidentally off your knee or ankle yeah. or whatever, and then next thing you know, you know, you're putting him in the back of the net again. Yeah, so hopefully there's more to come from him. Uh, moving on to our third game, third highlighted game that we want to talk about, and it was actually a good showcase for Syria, for Syria all around, all around Europe. Really, um, it was Atalanta against Lazio. Atalanta being a home in Bergamo. Um, this was a score fest. Uh, scoring started in the 19th minute when Andrea Petagna, of all people, found. Per il possibile cross che parte adesso il colpo di testa gol di Caldara. Atalanta in vantaggio col terzo gol in questo campionato di Mattia Caldara. Mattia Caldara for the headed goal. This this goal was a strange one. It, not, not, it, nothing's wrong with it. It was a beautiful goal, but usually Andrea Petagna is the guy who scores the goals, and Mattia Caldara is not the one who finishes them off. So I mean, it's an odd goal yeah. in that sense, but they'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. You don't see Patania as uh, exactly the uh, uh, assist maker and ball distributor up top, but kudos to him. Yeah, normally that's normally that's reserved for Papu Gomez and, and the, and the yeah. like like that. Um, uh, Atalanta were feeling frisky, and three minutes later, a lovely cross in was beautifully finished off. Joseph Ilicic with the goal and suddenly it's 2-0 Atalanta. What is going on with Lazio? They leaked goals in on Monday and now they're already down 2-0 uh, in this game. Is it wow, more... That- you go ahead. That 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 cross from that cross from Gomez and then the finish from Ilicic on that was just unbelievable. Beautiful touch, finish in the box. Didn't 
didn't like take a touch first, one touch and knocked it right past the keeper. I mean, that was that was beauty, no doubt. People who thought Papu Gomez last year was just a, a blip on the radar and, and a one-hit wonder, he's showing this season why that is not true. Uh, he, he's he's good playmaker. He can he's a magic touch on those on those crosses, like you said, and uh, he finds his teammates everywhere. And they Patania is a better man for it, and, and Ilicic clearly too. Sure. Um, Atalanta weren't done though. They they tried to make it three nothing just moments later when Papu Gomez from Brian Cristante point blank, but Thrakosha with an important save to keep his team in it. Had they gone down three nothing, I could you could say that this game would have been over, could you not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, at that point, three nothing in the first half. I think it's you know Katie bar the door and and that's it for Lazio. But got to give them for credit for standing tall, no doubt. So let's say by uh, Strakosha. Um, kind of gave more energy to the team, and arguably one of the players of the season so far for Lazio decided to take things on his own hands. Milinkovic Savic, porta palla serbo. Milinkovic Savic, al limite dell'area. Milinkovic con il mancino, palo rete. E la Lazio accorcia le distanze con Sergei Milinkovic Savic al minuto 27. Sergei Milinkovic Savic goes by three players and scores a fantastic goal past Berisha. Um, this this guy Milinkovic Savic, uh, he's a fine young talent. There were scouts in this game from uh, United, uh, uh, Barcelona, and, and Monaco. Uh, but there's a good reason this guy is is the real deal, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's like every game he plays, the price tag goes up. You know, with some of the crazy numbers we saw last summer, guys go for. I mean, yeah, you could almost throw any number at me, and you know that, and tell me Chelsea or Barcelona or somebody else would pay it for him, and I'd probably believe you. Yeah, last year, uh, many teams thought they had him, and he and he stayed with Lazio, and now that price tag probably just doubled or tripled. Oh, um, absolutely. So you're not going to get along Him with uh, Torreira and Sampdoria, their price tags are just through the roof right now. Mm-hmm. Well, Sergei Milinkovic Savic scored that goal, and, you know, why settle with one when two is twice as nice? Attenzione a Parolo che la mette fuori per il destro! Ancora Milinkovic Savic! La doppietta di Sergei Milinkovic Savic! E in un amen! E 2 a 2 alla tredia azzurra d'Italia! Milinkovic Savic gets his brace and we're level right there. Marco Parolo with the assist. The first half would end 2 2. Um, what do you make of. Uh, I mean, what more can you say about Milinkovic Savic? Uh, you you got to give credit to Parolo with the save. I mean, the whole play was just beautifully done. It seemed just like one touch passing and eventually Milinkovic Savic put it away and equaled the game up. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, the, last summer, you, you'd have believed apparently that Biglia was the most important guy that Lazio had in their <laughs> midfield. But lo and behold, they move him out and, you know, they clearly have not skipped a beat. I mean, it's just amazing to see how well they play. I mean, if there's anybody out there, you know, I know you guys have talked about in the pod before that still thinks Italy is full of nothing but 0-0 and 1-0 uh, games. Yeah, This is certainly... Syria. Yeah, exactly. This is certainly the game to tune in for because, I mean, I, I was talking to a friend earlier today saying, you know, that that's that's a game that I need to find the replay of and, like, on a random Wednesday night, just sit down and watch the game. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, it was just a, it was so many chances in the game. We only had uh, six goals, but it seemed like so many more chances in this game. Goaltenders making great saves. Uh, it was just a true showcase for Syria, no doubt. Um, second half started off with a bang. Five minutes in, Papu Gomez gets fouled in the box, and Joseph Ilicic gets his brace. Atalanta back in the lead, three to two. Um, 
Not much to say about that. It was a clear, clear-cut penalty against Gomez, and uh, Ilicic made no mistake about it. Finished it off. And kudos to them. You know, again, you go up two nothing. You you know, you let the other team level, and then you just come scraping right back. Yeah, how many teams when they go up two nothing, and, and then another team comes back, levels it up? That team usually has no more fight in them, and they're done. Um, but Atalanta kept fighting. They kept trying in this game. Um, Ilicic had another chance to get his tripleta later, but his shot went wide. Uh, moments later, Lazio, Lazio come back, and uh, Lucas Leva tried to level it. But Berisha, um, he's a good goaltender. He was up to task and, and, and powered that away. Um, we, you know, we talk a lot about Stracosha with Lazio, but Berisha doesn't get as much love. Uh, he, he's been a solid goaltender for, for Atalanta the last few years. Um, what kind of goaltender do you see out of Berisha? Uh, for the last two seasons, two seasons plus. Well, I, I think it's interesting with, with both of these teams that, you know, what you hear more than anything about with both of them is, you know, all the offense, you know, the goals they can score, everything else. But at the same time, you still have to have somebody at the back, you know, that can make the big saves, especially in a game like this when, you know, you've got so many good, you know, offensively talented players on the field. You know, you tend to forget about the keeper sometimes. You know, we hear about the Handanoviches and the Donnarumma's and, you know, some of the other keepers in Syria. But, you know, there's a reason, you know, Atalanta is where they are in the table and in the Europa League. And also a reason Lazio is where they are right now on the table. you got to have somebody at the back. Absolutely. And uh, if you don't have the goaltender back there, you know, it, it, makes, it makes life a lot harder. I mean, how much worse would Milan be without uh, Donnarumma back there? You know what I mean? Um, oh, Absolutely. If uh, if we had uh, Storari back there, we might be singing a different tune. So, <laughs> you know, so a goaltender could uh, could make or break your team, and uh, and sometimes in dire moments, you need a guy like that, like Barisha, to step up and uh, keep your team in it. Um, oh, yes. sure. And just because just because you know you're winning games three two, doesn't mean that you're you know only relying on your offense. It also means, you know, like in in the, in the case in this game, you're playing against a team that also can you know has offensive guys all over the place. You know, yeah. you still need that guy at the back that can, that can do a job for you. You know, it's not easy. No. <laughs> I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be a keeper against either of those sides. No, thanks. <laughs> exactly. Especially with, and especially with so many goals are going in games like this. You, that's when you need to go even more because the goals are coming. So you need, he needs to make that one big save that, that key save that could possibly win the game for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This game could have ended, you know, three, two to either side with one keeper making, you know, one spectacular save, and that would have been the difference. But, you know, we like goals, so we like talking about the goal scorers. So you don't always hear about the keeper. Yeah, that's, that's all right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I was a forward <laughs> playing growing up, so that's, that's my mentality too. So, <laughs> Well, if you ask Lazio fans who's been the most impressive this season, you'll get Immobile, you get Malinkovic-Savic, but you'll also get this man. Tocco di Caicedo per Luis Alberto con il destro! 3-3! Luis Alberto segna il suo primo gol in trasferta in questa stagione! Sesto in stagione per lui ed è 3-3! Luis Alberto ties the game, comes up big yet again for Lazio and is proving why he should start over Felipe Anderson. Um, this, this player, Luis Alberto, he's come out of nowhere really. And he's he's now made his name known in Syria. Everyone knows him now. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Lazio. They they <clears throat> when they sold Biglia, they signed, they brought in Leva, and you figured, oh, okay, well, there's the guy that's gonna, you know, pull the strings and do what they need to do in the in the in the midfield. And then all of a sudden, Alberto comes out of nowhere, and 
you know, like you said, he's he, he's up there with the surprises like Torreira and some of the other good midfielders in Serie A. Yeah, there's no doubt. And uh, there's so many good midfielders and young players in this league. Uh, it's just a, it's such a joy to watch. And, you know, the gentleman ultra came out with uh, the Grande 50 with all these youngsters. But there's also guys right now who are in their 20s, um, in their younger 20s, and they're, and they're such a good players. Udinese is filled with them. Sampdoria, um, also Lazio has them. Atalanta has them. So it, it's a fun league. It's a young league. It's like, like we said many, many times. It's not your father, Serie A. Uh, yeah, absolutely not. There's a reason this is the, the second year in a row now that uh, Serie A is the highest scoring league in, in Europe. So um, can't say can't say much more about it. I mean, it's it's just a great league to watch. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, those are the three big games that we're going to highlight uh, from Match Week 17. Tell us your thoughts at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter. <laughs> All right, now to the rest of Match Week 17. We're going to fly through these scores and uh, talk a little bit about them. Um, Roma 1, Cagliari 0. Fazio gets a late winner as Roma win ugly and keep pace with Inter, Napoli, and Juve. Um, it's not to win the Scudetto to... Oh, yeah, just to win the Scudetto, you, you're not always going to win pretty. Uh, we've seen that with Juventus. Uh, sometimes you have to win ugly. This was by all means an ugly win for Roma. Would you not agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. To, to, to finish high in the table in that top four, you need to have the random one, nothing, what 94th minute, you know, winner that, that saves you at the end of an ugly game. And you know, that's what the better teams do. That win coupled with Lazio's uh, draw, uh, Roma saw their, their, the, the gap between them and Lazio for fourth or fifth place uh, spread to five points. Uh, which is which is important. Looks like the top four are starting to separate themselves just a little bit. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna get interesting here as the season continues on. Moving on to a game that is a rematch of the midweek game where Milan won three nothing. Uh, well, it was a rematch in a flip scoreline. Hellas three, Milan zero. We had goals from Caracciolo, Moise Keane, and Davida Besa, uh, which gave Milan an embarrassing loss. To make matters worse. Two former inner players and a current and a player currently on Juventus's books were the goal scorers. Where do you want to start with this one? <laughs> oh, I would like to think that I woke up Sunday morning with the flu and had some <laughs> awful dream, and about nine o'clock woke up and realized that nothing actually happened. But unfortunately, I did get up at what six fifteen to catch the game. You know, it was interesting. It started off. <clears throat> Hella seemed to be very cynical. A lot of early fouls, I think, letting Milan know that they weren't just going to, you know, stroll into their home turf yeah. and take the game. But, you know, like that is, like it's happened to Milan over and over again. You know, they, a lot of crosses, a lot of chances, but it's like all the finishing is, is just a step behind. And then it seems like almost every counter, we look disorganized in the back. And before you know it, they're in the back of the net. I mean, it's hard to... It's hard to blame Donnarumma because, you know, I, I honestly can't remember the last time he made a truly boneheaded mistake that led to a goal. You know, he's been better at playing the ball out of the back. But yeah. it's just like crosses come across and Bonucci's looking at Romagnoli or vice versa. And next thing you know, the ball's in the back of the net and everybody's staring at each other. There wasn't, so much, there wasn't much different from the lineups between the two, uh, the two games, um, except for up front. I mean... You had Kalinic in one game, and the other game you had Cutrone and, and, and David uh, David Silva. 
Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, <laughs> Andre yes, Silva. Please. Andre Silva. Yeah, we'll take David Silva. We'll give you Lucas Bilia if you want. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, no. So, I mean, that was a big difference there. But, I mean, the team looked night and day completely different. Both teams. I mean, that was a great tactic coming out for, for Hellas Verona. They said, like you said, this is our home. We're not. We're going to give you a fight. We're not going to roll yeah. over like we did uh, at San Siro. Um, so, kudos to them. And even after the first goal, Milan looked like they were still interested in this game. But when the second goal came... They just look oh. terrible. They look like they're yep. like, all right, we quit. We quit. Yeah. Yeah. It's at that point where you go, you know, maybe put some toast in the toaster or, you know, go get that second cup of coffee because, you know, at 2 nothing, you can kind of watch the game over your shoulder and you sort of know what's going to happen. Yeah. So, and then, you know, then they put three in and then the frustration sets in, you know, Suso with a pretty sloppy tackle at the end. You know, we were talking about uh, VAR earlier. Um, something that kind of came to mind when I saw him, you know, we've seen like those late game kind of cynical tackles, yeah. you know, for years and years. And usually, you know, maybe you get a yellow, you make it pretty clear. Okay, we understand you're frustrated. You know, no big deal. You got your chunk of flesh. Let's finish the game. But I think with VAR, you're going to see some replays of some of those kind of things. And you're going to see some reds like we did. Yeah. And I think if, if any maybe positive impact, and it's hard to say that when it's your guy that gets the red at the end of a game, but if any positive impact we see of that might be a little bit less of that kind of stuff at the end of games. Cause once you see a couple guys, you know, make that late challenge being down three, nothing in a game and getting a red card, I think you might think twice about doing that. Yeah, I mean, so. it happened early in the season. Leonardo Bonucci, uh, he got a red card after VAR showed that he did an elbow on, on a player. Um, yes, yes. De Rossi also got a red card for slapping someone. Uh, it was so Lapadula. It was Lapadula in the Lapadula, box. absolutely. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So. And it, same thing. It was late in the game, frustration. And I think, I can't remember. I think in that in that case, the the penalty that, that, uh, that De Rossi conceded by doing that, either tied the game or... They lost. I can't remember which now, but but it clearly had an effect on the outcome of the game. Yeah, I think it tied the game that one. I think, but yeah, yeah. no, it absolutely had a, it absolutely had something to do with the game. And I, this is the one instance I do like VAR when they, when they had to get this kind of stuff out of the game. We don't like to see guys get injured, um, especially when games are are becoming blowouts. You need to control the game. So that was good use by VAR, and I was fine with with what happened uh, after that. Yeah. after what they saw. So. Oh, that's uh, enough with the Debbie Downers. Let's move on from that game. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Next game we're talking about is Bologna 0, Juventus 3. Uh, Miriam Pjanic with a beautiful free kick has scored the first goal. Mario Mandzukic with a side volley to get the second. And then this blast. Cross, the second ball, that tira, non può arrivare. Poi Matuidi! Bologna 0, Juve 3, Blaze, Matuidi! Blas Matuidi gives Juventus the three nothing win. Uh, what a lovely strike by the Frenchman! Uh, he scored that from it looked like outside the box. Did you think it was outside the box or was it inside oh, the box? I didn't catch that. Looked like it was, looked like it was just outside the box. Yeah, it was a it was it was a it was a good strike. I mean, it probably could have been saved by the keeper, but yeah. uh, still, I mean, to strike it like that and score, you got to give him kudos to that for sure. And and Juventus really getting back on track. I mean, they look they look back to their their old ways. It, it looks like they 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 shook off the uh, the cobwebs from early season, and they're in full stride now. Their defense is 
uh, pretty much impenetrable at this point, and their their offense is still scoring. So look out, look out, uh, Inter and uh, Napoli. Yeah, you know you got to give credit to a guy. You know when you take that when you take that chance from further out to to at least be able to get it on frame. There's so many times we see guys launch balls, you know, that end up like in the 50th row and stuff like that. But you got to keep that keeper honest. No, you know? absolutely. Milan, you know how many, you know Milan, you know, and I'm I'm dating myself here again. But you know how many times Pirlo took those chances from from long distance and able was able to curl them towards you know far corners and stuff like that. You got to keep that guy honest. No, you absolutely do. And it's funny though with, with, with these guys when they take these long strikes. It's something we learn as as youngsters. Um, you know, keep your head down on these shots. And guys, this yes. they lift up and it just goes up in the fiftieth row, like you said. Um, yep. So it's it's kind of shocking from a professional standpoint. But I guess when you're tired, when you got the adrenaline flowing, you just sometimes can't help yourself. Well, no, the, the the sleeping monster there in Juventus is definitely awake now. This has kind of become their uh, their mo the last couple of years. You know, they kind of figure it out during the first ten to twelve weeks, and then once uh, once Allegri kind of has it sorted out, what his rotation is and and who all he can trust. I mean, he's they're ready to go, and they're you know they're deeper than anybody. You know, and, when you combine a, a coach that's willing to rotate, you know, yeah. the way he has, I mean, good Lord, I, I can't imagine they've played the same 11 twice all sorry, year. Sorry, take notes, take notes. Look at the, we'll yeah. what Juventus is doing. Yeah. Now, granted, Juventus is deeper than Napoli, but still. But but still, yeah. I mean, you know, Napoli, you know, like I said, you got your Dioras and your Zelinskis that only have, you know, a handful of starts. And you look up and down Juve's roster. And, you know, granted, I, I think he realized early on that, you know, and I got to put the I got to put my attackers out every game. You know, I got to have Dybala out there. I got to have Menzukic out there. I got to have Iguain out there. But he he rotated the midfield and the back line like crazy. You know, he there are all sorts of guys in there. Got four, five, six, seven starts, and now they can all play. And uh, this is this season by Juventus is eerily similar to the 2015 one where they started out slow. I think yep. Napoli was was in first place at the at the winter break, and then Napoli first couple weeks of January took over that lead and kept it, and it kind of kept it for the next you know for the next two years. Um, so yeah, look out, look out to the rest of Serie A, look out Inter and Napoli, uh, Juventus being business this season. Like we said all along, we thought it was going to be Juventus is going to be in this Scudetto race, and they're they're starting to show why we have been saying that they're. They're certainly a threat. Um, let's move on to the next game. It's Crotone 1, Chievo 0. This match was one-sided, all Crotone, surprisingly, and Anton Budimir <laughs> scored the lone goal to give the hosts all three points in their bid to survive Serie A one more season. What is going on with Chievo that they're being dominated by Crotone? You know, it's well, they, they routinely have the oldest team in the league, and somehow routinely every single year managed to stay up this year. They had a good start. I think at one point they were fourth, fifth, sixth in the table early on. They got a lot of points early on and now they're struggling, you know, with an older lineup like that, they're going to have their ups, ups and downs. I mean, they're going to have their share of, you know, tough losses. Although I would think in their case, this was a game that they thought they could do better. But if you look at the numbers of the game, Cretoni had like 65, 66% possession which i don't know how many times during the season crotone enjoys that much of the ball <laughs> no, no. <laughs> probably almost probably almost never but you know that's that's impressive by them you know for a team you know that you know last year barely survived and that you know this year is mostly relying on 
you know, guys on loan from different clubs. I mean, maybe last year wasn't a fluke after all. Yeah, I mean, Kievo did have 15 shots, only four were on goal this game, but you wouldn't know it because uh, Crotone had just as many more on goal. They had 33 crosses, which is ridiculous. Oh, that, my God. And the yeah. couple of that, to make it, to make it kind of even, they had 17 fouls, four. Uh, so they, they, it was certainly an all-around effort by Crotone. But, but kudos to them. They, you know, they got the three points. Um, it helps them in their survival bid, no doubt. Um, moving on to a game that we're not going to really talk about much. It's because it was uh, Fiorentina 0, Genoa 0. Last week we were giving Fiorentina kudos for uh, keeping Napoli at bay with a 0-0 game. But this game, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to go into it. There's no highlights to talk about. Uh, and I don't, frankly, I, I want to see some goals. I'm going to talk about it. So there's no goals in this game. We're going to move on. You okay with that? Yeah. If, if it's not three, three between those two clubs, then we can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> now a game that would have been interesting just because Sassuolo has been a little bit hot of late. Sampdoria hosted Sassuolo. Uh, this game would end one zero, but it was for the visitors, uh, a place that was a fortress in the beginning of the season it, as of late has been uh, leaking in goals and leaking in losses. Um, this game featured plenty of chances, plenty of saves, including a penalty kick saved by Viviano. But in the 90th minute, it, you get a winner by Alessandro Matri, of all people. The former Milan man gives Sassuolo the unfathomable uh, win uh, at Sampdoria. What is going on with Sampdoria as of late? You know, honestly, this scoreline was, to me, equally as surprising as as Uday going to Inter yeah. and and yeah. winning 3-1. to one. I mean, like you, you were talking about earlier, we're starting to see that separation between the top four and like five, six, and seven, you know, and we've been bunched up for a while now, but now, you know, Lazio is starting to slide back a little bit. Sampdoria is starting to slide back a little bit. And, you know, that's just the, the whole table there, you know, from, like I said, from fifth down to like 15th is really starting to even out. And I think by the end of the year, you're not going to see a huge bunch of separation from those teams. It's impressive. You know, Sassuolo's had a pretty rough first half of the year to be able to go in and grab three points like this, especially through, you know, Matri, who at times has been a bit of a uh, interesting figure <laughs> in his time in Syria. I mean, I think he's been uh, with, if, if not 20 different clubs, perhaps 30 at this point. Yeah, right. You know, and he just keeps bouncing around, but he keeps scoring. I mean, you know, I, I suppose, you know, next week, Borrello's got to get on the scoreboard somewhere, you oh, know, because, I mean, guy, there's yeah. some of some of these guys just have nine lives and they just have a nose for, you know, putting them in. And that's how some of these guys play forever, you know, in their deep thirties. They just got a, got a knack for it. As Frank says, Italy is a, is a league of, uh, for old, except what does he say? It's a country for old men. There you go. He says, yeah, there you go. Syria is a country for old men. There it is. Sorry, Frank. Hi, Frank. Yeah, as much as as much as we, we want to get excited about you know all the you know the young midfielders like you were talking about earlier with Torreira and Yanko and Milinkovic Savic, I mean you're you're gonna find a 35 year old every weekend you know that's gonna find the back of the net. They're out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we had this game, which was exciting. You had the Fiorentina Genoa match, which was not so much exciting. Oof. Then yeah. we had a relegation six pointer between Benevento and Spal. On paper, you look like a snoo- it looks like a snoozer, but this turned out to be a very highly entertaining game. Um, you had an own goal to start the game uh, by Benevento Cremonesi. You got the own goal. Um, then then it was the Flocari show, and he had two goals, one in the 64th, one in the 73rd. 
Uh, this game was highly entertaining. It had plenty of chances both ways. Uh, it was very wide open. Looks like defense was uh, not an option in this game. And it's good to see from these two teams, you know, battling it for relegation uh, to put on a put on a show for Serie A fans. Kind of like what Pescara did in the past, where they would they would try to score, but they would get they would give up five goals in the process. Uh, we didn't get five goals in this game, but we certainly had a, a, a it was a good entertaining game. I thought. Oh yeah, and that that I mean Benevento obviously I mean they're not going anywhere, but that battle for those last you know to see who gets stuck in those other two relegation spots is going to be very interesting down the stretch, and this obviously is is huge for Spall to get those three points to to you know stay in contention of getting out of those spots. I mean they were my team to escape relegation going into the season on nothing more than the fact that I thought their kits were pretty interesting. But that was about it. But to to watch, you know, watch them here and there. I mean, when they played Milan earlier this year, yeah, they they played them tough. I mean, they lost, but you know, I mean, that's a that's a pretty tough squad there. Yeah, Spal gave a lot of people fits, including Napoli. Um, yeah. So after, after match week seventeen, the standings look like this: we have a new new holder of first place. It is Napoli with forty two points. In second place is now Juventus with 41, just one point behind Napoli. One point behind Juventus is Inter Milan uh, on 40 on 40 points. Two points behind them in fourth place is Roma with 38. And then you have a five-point gap. And then you have Lazio in fifth, Sampdoria in sixth, Atalanta now in seventh. They're starting to charge up the table. Uh, Milan drops down to eighth. Fiorentina drops down to ninth. Torino holds on to the tenth spot with Udinese closing in tight. Uh, closing in quick, I should say. Um, we thought, you know, when when Massimo Odo was hired with Udinese, that Udinese would jump up possibly to a tenth spot. They're only one one point or three, two points out now from getting that tenth spot, um, and really three points from getting in the top top eight. So, um, do you th- do? You no, know, Frank and I were talking about this before. Do you think Udinese can finish in the top half of the table? I think if they uh, if they keep everybody together and don't you know get greedy and and sell somebody halfway, I mean you know in the January window here, I think they could definitely challenge you know for that uh, six seven eight spot. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just you know it's over the years you know they would have years they would make Europa and then they would sell people and end up in fifteenth, and then the next year you know they would bring in a whole new group of young guys. Yep. And charge back up, you know, and I mean, you know, you could you could tattoo your whole farm probably with the names of different guys over year that years that, you know, played a year or two for you day and then, you know, got sold to bigger clubs like, you know, the Alexis Sanchez's of the world. And uh, here they go again. You know, another group of younger guys. I mean, like you said, our buddy Kevin Lasagna. <laughs> I mean, when he first, honestly, when he first appeared in Syria with Carpi, what, two seasons ago? Yeah. I mean, he was nothing more interesting than whoever heard of somebody with the last name Lasagna. But, you know, lo and behold, you know, he's made his way up to, you know, Carpi got relegated, but he's right back up in Syria again and, and keeps doing his thing. Yeah. There's, there, there's something to watch. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely plugging away and trying his best to, to make a name for himself, and he's doing it. And, and it seems with Udinese, he's got a good opportunity to uh, make a bigger name for himself there. So um, if we look at the bottom half of the table, a team that no one's going to confuse with uh, fighting for any kind of points, uh, Benevento sits in last place with one point. Um, 12 points ahead of them in 19th place is Hellas Verona. Uh, in 18th, 18th place, you have uh, Spal with 14 points, who are tied actually in points with Genoa, but Genoa owned a tiebreaker. They're on 14 points. Crotone is at one point above them in 16th place. 
and then uh, then you got Sassuolo and Cagliari with 17 points. So between um, 14th position and 19th position, you only have four points separating them. That's going to be the race of the season to see who gets relegated and who survives. Um, Based currently, right now, it's Hellas and Spal. looks like all three promoted teams are going to be going down this season. Do you think uh, those three are going to go down, or who do you who do you see going down this year? You know, I, I always I always hope every year that at least one minnow, one of the promoted teams can stick around for another year. I'm not always, you know, uh, cheering for one over the other per se, but I just think it's always fun when at least at least one of them can stay up. But you know, you've got teams down there like the you know Genoas of the world that just manage to flirt with regular relegation and and survive year after year. So. I mean, that's that's going to be just as interesting in the top four. Obviously, you know, it won't get as much attention. We won't talk about it as much, but it is certainly going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, and then you got the middle of the table battle, which with all those teams are so closely bunched up. It's just uh, there's something to watch every week, and it's going to be a fun uh, Serie A to watch for sure. Um, you turn away for just one week, and, and then the, the table just flips on itself. Uh, the top three just keep, you know, leapfrogging each other, it seems. Um, so that puts a bow on, well, I'm not going to say bow on this whole podcast, but just puts a bow on this match week 17. Uh, tell us your thoughts and on the scores and what you thought at Sirius. Sit down on Twitter and Instagram. All right. We're going to do a quick preview of match week 18. Um, before we get to that, we got Copi Italia in, uh, this week, um, there's a big game going on to uh, not tomorrow, but the day after. It's uh, Napoli hosting Udinese. Uh, with the suddenly resurgent uh, Udinese, do you think they can give Napoli a little bit better run than they did uh, three weeks ago? You'd hope so. I mean, after this past weekend, with the way each of them played, you'd think this should be uh, should be a pretty good game. But I got a feeling, you know, now that Napoli maybe has. Uh, bounced back a little bit that they might take care of business no yeah i think so too they got to seem to get their swagger back this week but uh, uh who knows i mean after what uh udinese did to enter we could be in we could be in for another shocker um maybe the copitalia magic from portinone is going to rub off an udinese by the way speaking of those two did you see the the shade that udinese threw at uh at inter with a portinone comment i did not yeah so um, after Udinese beat Inter, they uh, their Twitter posted a picture of uh, Portinone and said, "Hey, don't worry, we got your back on this one," or something, something to that effect. But they're, they're clearly making fun of Inter on that, which I love. I love seeing that. <laughs> oh, they hey, they got to take advantage of their uh, 15 minutes of fame. That's right. I don't absolutely. blame. I don't. I don't blame. Them. Make the most of it because it's we're at about 14 minutes and 59 seconds right now. So good for them. <laughs> Uh, moving on to December 20th, which is Wednesday, um, Atalanta plays Sassuolo. Earlier in the season, this wouldn't have been much of a game to watch, but uh, Sassuolo's been playing better as of late. So this could be uh, another interesting matchup at Sassuolo. They wanted a difficult place in Sampdoria, and they traveled to a difficult place in Bergamo. Um, who do you think wins that game? Uh, it'll be interesting because, I mean, even this, uh, likewise with the, the napoli Ude game, it's always interesting to see how serious teams take it and who plays and such on it. I mean, on the surface, obviously, I think Atalanta would take care of business. But 
with Copa Italia, it's nobody. It's like nobody takes it real serious until about the semifinals. So yeah, yeah. that might that that'll be an interesting one to watch. I think because Atalanta's obviously got you know. I mean, they clearly are putting some serious effort into Europa League and obviously doing very well in the league. So that might be an interesting one. Uh, two other games worth, worth, uh, noteworthy, I should say. You got Roma hosting Torino and Juventus at Genoa. So those two should also be uh, some fun to watch ones. Now going back to Serie A, match week eighteen. Um, going over to Saturday. Speaking of Atalanta, AC Milan hosts Atalanta oh. at the noon 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 o'clock hour, <laughs> twelve o'clock hour. Um, this is a tough one for Milan. Uh, Atalanta have to be licking their chops after. Uh, being able to score on Lazio, who are a far better team defensively, I think, than Milan is. Um, what are what are your realistic expectations for this matchup? Well, it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Who the I mean, Milan. Is. Yeah, exactly. The lineup's going to be interesting. I mean, Suso, you could pretty much you know staple his name into that right wing spot, but with him having a red card. You know, he's obviously out. So, you know, are we going to see, uh, you know, Swiss Army man Barini over there? <laughs> you know, I imagine after last week's, you know, after last week's game, you know, we see Catrone along with Silva up top. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I not- mean, otherwise, you know, I think we're going to see Jack, you know, Bonaventura will be out there. Montalivo, love him or hate him, is going to be right where we expect to find him. I don't, you know, I, I don't see uh, Gattuso putting Bigley out there in this game. I mean, it's going to be, I don't know, it's become pretty Jekyll and Hyde lately with Milan. So, I mean, the good thing is, you know, Jack is obviously back. Yes. You know, he makes a difference. It'll be, uh, it's 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 getting hard to figure out what to expect anymore, put it that way. But I will be tuning in and watching and hoping for the best. Do you have a prediction? We like predictions I'd say on we, the show. I, I I'd say we we, we lose two one. Lose two one. Um yeah. Two two one. Papo Papu Gomez is absolutely going to score a goal. I think I might bet a toe on that. I would go down <laughs> to nine toes for that one. Um and yeah. So and Mister Mister Cristante. I mean, you, it's it, you almost have to bet on a former Milan player. Yeah. Oh, every time scoring. I mean. You know, we've, we've got a long history of giving up goals to uh, former Milan players. So I'll say 2-1, and we, we give them up to Cristante and Gomez. And I, I uh, maybe uh, Bonucci pops up on a, off of a corner or a set piece and puts in a header. Uh, that would be nice to get him on the score sheet. Um, <laughs> Atalanta, they're, uh, they're, they're a tough team. I don't know this Milan team. I'm not sure who they're going to put out there. Probably Kalinic is going to start, uh, even though I don't think he should be, as most Milanisti will tell you the, the exact same thing. Um, Atalanta, they're starting to find their form now in Serie A. They've been obviously bossing it in uh, Europa League, and, and they're also winning in Coppa Italia. Um, I think Atalanta will be too much for Milan, even though they're on the road. It'll be closer than they'd like. Um, but I, I kind of like your two-one scoreline. Um, I think it's just too much Papu Gomez and company to uh, for Milan to take, and uh, Milan needs to get their head straight on. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, they can, they look at this as a big game and they and they all step up for this game. Um, they obviously got a little too cocky with a three-nothing win against uh, Hellas and Coppa Italia, and then totally shit the bed against them in the in the the. <laughs> The next That's game. a kind way of putting it. I think. I'm trying to be Although, as nice as you possible. Know, 
Frank Frank sent out the one tw- a tweet last week said something to the effect of are we a little too excited after this midweek uh, yeah. Copa Italia win so I'm going to blame that loss squarely on Frank especially yeah. since he's not here to defend himself yeah so. exactly hi Frank <laughs> <laughs> the other big game we're going to talk about is uh, Genoa Benevento no I'm just kidding um, no. We have Napoli against Sampdoria. Sampdoria are suddenly struggling, and Napoli has seemed possibly to find their form back. Is this going to be a blowout, or is this game going to be closer than 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 initially looked? Uh, I got a feeling Napoli goes on a streak of bouncing back here for a little while. You know, with not having, you know, all, all these top teams that that in the first twelve fifteen weeks really had to worry about balancing and. And playing extra games, you know, with Europe and stuff like that, you get a little bit of a stretch here through December and January where you don't have to worry about that stuff so much. So I think Napoli is going to have a good run here for the next few weeks. Yeah, it seems like uh, sometimes all you need is a break that duck. Napoli finally broke that duck. Dries Mertens is finally looking like he like he's back, and um, yep. Merrick Hamshik has got that gorilla off his back now. Um, I look for Napoli to win. I look for Napoli to win big. Um, I'm looking at maybe four or five goals here. I don't think Sampdoria is a team that give up that many goals, but they're shaky right now. Their confidence got to be low, especially after losing at home um, to Sassuolo. So I think this is going to be a, a bad vic- a bad loss for them. Yeah, I think the last thing you'd want to do after having a tough loss like that is to have to go play defense against Napoli. No yeah. thanks. No, exactly. Um, and then another big game we want to talk about is number two versus number four, Juventus hosting Roma. The game is at the J Stadium or Alliance Stadium or whatever you want to call it. Um, this is a, this is a tricky game. You have uh, Juventus who's who's suddenly resurgent. You have Roma who've been stingy all season. Um, both teams to show they can win ugly. Both teams show they can they can win on the road and at home. Um, both teams have shown that they can win in Champions League. Um, doing better than expected, especially Roma. Logics tells you that Juventus are home. They should win this game easily, but um, you can't go with logic this season, especially with this uh, Eusebio Di Francesco team. Um, this is going to be much. This is going to be a very tight contest, and I think a goal could do it. I don't think many goals are going to be scored as much as we want as fans. Um, I'm I'm I've had a hard I'm having a hard time picking it one way or the other. Uh, who do you like in that game? Uh, I agree with you that I think you're going to see a very very similar to the uh, Juve Inter game. You're going to see a very uh, tactical sit back and wait. <clears throat> you know, wait for the other guy to make a move so maybe you can you know respond on the counter sort of game and maybe you know a one nothing scoreline and say like the 70th minute or later. I mean, Juve, you know, they kind of figured out their recipe to, uh, you know, to navigate, you know, the Serie A season. And I think this one definitely calls for a sit back and try to nab it late. And uh, considering they're the home team, it's really hard, you know, hard to expect, hard to predict them to lose at home. So I think one nothing and a late winner by Juve would uh, be what the doctor ordered. Yeah, if this is early in the season, um, it would, I would probably have no problem picking the road team as I did with Lazio uh, to yeah. beat uh, Juventus early in the season. Um, but Juventus have seemed to have found their, their, their defensive swagger back. Um, they seem to be back to their old ways. And 
it's going to be tight. I mean, Roma are very good defensively. I, I Like I said, I think one goal is going to be in this game, and I, I, I too think Juventus is going to win this game 1-0. Uh, but it should be an entertaining game. Um, sometimes one nothing games are very boring, but with these two teams, I do not think it will be that. It will be very tactical. Um, it will be a chess match for sure. Uh, you got Allegri, who's a tactician master uh, back there. But then you have Sebi Di Francesco, who's been uh, – who, who stepped up this year to a team that many didn't think he could handle the, the limelight, and he's doing quite well, uh, especially you know winning their group with the uh, with the likes of Chelsea and Atletico Madrid in it. So um, this should be very interesting. I I, I for sure think that uh, Roma are going to have plenty of fight in this game, uh, especially with Nyangalan in the midfield, and who knows if De Rossi plays or not. But um, I think ultimately uh, Juventus at home are going to be too much, and one nothing is is the scoreline I'm going to go with. Yeah, I, I could see Allegri making a late change to stick a quadrato on late or somebody like that to make the difference. You know, late cross, somebody knocks it in, that sort of thing. It'll be interesting to see if it is 0-0 zero, zero, that, that late in the game, if Di Francesco makes a change to go for it or if he, you know, makes a change to hopefully sit back and, you know, if it's 0-0 zero, zero at that point, hopefully, you know, try to try to ride it out for one point. So that'll be it'll be interesting to see if it is – Zero zero late to see what uh, each manager does to affect the outcome. Absolutely, uh, and with that, we're gonna put a bow on this edition of Syria Sit Down. Um, we'd like to thank, uh, if, if for those of you who don't know, we're part of the World Football Index and also All In Sports Network. So we're gonna thank them. Uh, but most importantly, I want to give a shout out to Michael Lisi. Thank you for coming on. Um, if our listeners want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you? Uh, I'm at AC Milan Michael. And I also write at uh, Fossa de Leone 2015. Fossa de Leone 2015. And that, is that a .com or what, what, what is the link for that? It is a .com, yes, sir. Very good. And we'll make sure we tweet that link out as well. Um, we want to make sure people follow this. It's a, it's a very good site you got to follow to get your all your info, AC Milan information, um, no doubt. Even if you're not a Milan fan, you should check them out because they have some good pointers. Uh, and they even talk about, like you said, Napoli recently and, and a couple other teams. So uh, definitely check them out. Um, you can find me at r underscore carmen k h a r m a n. Uh, Michael, do you have any? Uh, what's your What's your next article or blog going to come out? What's it going to be on? Do you have any idea um, yet? Uh, not yet. Not yet. My usual thing is I'll just kind of uh, take a peek at the roster up and down, read the names, see what ideas pop in my head, and I have certain things that I pop off within like an hour or two, and then I have other things that I like to kind of you know marinate for a little while. So. We'll see, but uh, I want to thank you very much for uh, for having me on and bringing a little bit of uh, spotlight our way. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely, and keep up the great work. Uh, we, we enjoy reading it, no doubt about it. Um, we also want to thank Lega Serie A for the highlights. Um, uh, we couldn't we couldn't do this podcast without them without their highlights. So thank you to that. Um, you can also follow us on 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 Twitter and Instagram at Serie Sit Down. Uh, with that, we say. Buenas noches, and we'll see you soon.